0: Welcome to the Like, Bite, and Share podcast, brought to you by Schweid & Sons. Learn the secrets of food and hospitality marketing from some of the best professionals in the food business. Here are your co-hosts, Rev Ciancio from Schweid & Sons and Brad Garoon from BurgerWeekly.com. Hey, Reverend. You know, Brad, every week you start off the show by saying, hey, Reverend. I do, I do some variation thereof. That's okay. I like that you start off the show. How are you doing today? I'm exhausted, buddy. Yeah, do you have a busy weekend? I had a
1: busy weekend and it got capped off with all this great new Sunday. And Some of it's not so new, but all this great Sunday television.
0: Yeah, I have a kid now, so we don't watch Sunday television until like Tuesday. Oh, It's rough
1: stuff, although that's probably what I should do. <laughs> just sort of try to work it slowly into my week now that all the other May shows are over. But this is not a TV yeah. podcast. This is a burger podcast. It is. So tell me about burgers in your life.
0: Well, I had a burger on Sunday. How's that for a segue? That's good. You know, I guess I I recently, uh, well, my wife recently had a kid, and so we haven't really left the house much, and we had like our first trip to bar slash restaurant this Sunday. I was pretty excited. We walked down the street (laughs) to a local bar called Fox and Crow in the heights of Jersey City. There's not a lot of like uh, new school, artisanal, like hipstery type of eateries in this area. In fact, it's not that. In fact, there's almost none.
1: In Jersey City? Uh,
0: not in the heights. Not in the heights. Um, so we went to this place. We heard it was great, and the menu has—they literally have one thing. It's like hamburgers, hamburgers, hot wings, and then they might have like a crab hamburger. But I was like, oh, it's cool. Let's get a beer. I gotta tell you, the burger was fantastic. Hmm. They're they're hand patted, the uh, fresh. I got mine with like a caramelized bacon jam and some melted blue cheese. It came on a uh, a seeded roll. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and a nice cold beer. Uh, I will be back at this place. And again, it is right down the street from my house. So your I, I enjoyed
1: of it. Your photos of it made me very hungry.
0: Very small. It's nice. It's a neighborhood joint, and not a lot of people there. And, and it is off the beaten path, though. So that's probably part of the part of the deal. How that's about great. you? Any good Any good burgers in your life?
1: Uh, so I find myself. Um, I'm often near Madison Square Park, and I can't go to Shake Shack every day. So luckily, Madison Square Eats is um, is up and running right now, and the Beatrice Inn. I think by the time you hear this, it'll still be up has Beatrice burger. They might only be doing it in May, but it's their little outpost in Madison square eats and they're serving three burgers and they're a little bit smaller than the burger at the Beatrice Inn, And thus uh, even the 45 day dry age burger, which you've heard about on this podcast a few times, even it is almost reasonably reasonably priced at $19 instead of whatever astronomical price it is at uh, the actual brick and mortar restaurant. Um, So I finally got to try it and I'm glad I paid 19 dollars for it. I'd say it was worth what I paid, and I le- and it is smaller than the original version, but I think it was a perfect uh, sized patty for lunch. And the, I'll say like the, the beef was definitely a high-quality, uh, dry age flavor. It was very funky, tasted expensive. The bun was delicious. These caramelized onions, which is really the thing that everybody talks about when they get this burger, you know, there's, there's like the, I, th- I think it's Taleggio that she puts on, but I'm not positive cheese but uh it's the it's the caramelized onions that everyone talks about these bourbon bourbon sauteed caramelized onions they just tasted like straight booze i've i've never tasted anything quite so alcohol tasting in my life which um was interesting when i was just taking a lunch break to go get it so um mixed feelings on the beatrice burger overall i'd say if you can get to beatrice burger at madison square eats in the next few days do it because that's the price point you want
0: and there are they offering the lamb,
1: the lamb burger there? There are two other burgers. I forget what they are. One is probably lamb. They look good, and they smell good. I mean, it's it, you can smell it as you're walking up, in it, and the aroma is wonderful.
0: Well, aren't you and I going there on lunch this Wednesday? We are, and there are two other
1: places that have burgers. I walked through there today and got some <laughs> Roberta's Pizza, so that'll be the next thing I do is a burger at one of the other places. But next week on the podcast, I won't be talking about that because – I want to cliffhanger people about some really great burgers I had elsewhere for next week.
0: Well, speaking of next on the podcast and burgers, they both segue together so well. Today, we're going to talk to Scott Hume, the founder of BurgerBusiness.com. Uh, I don't know if you read the site. I do. I know Brad does, uh, but we got him on the show today to talk about how it all happened and some insights he can give you on the burger business. Let's talk to Scott. Scott Hume loves burgers. Moreover, he loves burger restaurants, and with that passion, plus a background as a one-time editor-in-chief at restaurants and institution magazines, and past Chicago Bureau Chief of Advertising Age magazine, he founded BurgerBusiness.com in 2009. If you are not familiar with the site and its daily email blast, Scott reports on the business behind burger-focused restaurants. With over 4 million views, is decidedly not a food blog or an accounting of where Scott ate at or a location uh, to read reviews instead you get restaurant marketing news insider views business intelligence on restaurant operations burger business provides intelligence data for media sites like USA Today Huffington Post, Reuters, Business Insider, Esquire, MSN Money Time the list goes on and on many others Scott burger business always seems to have the inside scoop reporting a lot of relevant industry news before any other outlet do you secretly work for one of the big three <laughs> I wish I, I would certainly make more money if I did. But some might some might argue that Burger Business doesn't report the news. Burger Business makes the news. How do you how do you do that?
2: You know, it, it, it's just hard work, is really. There's there's no other secret to it. Uh, the uh, upside is of working at home is that uh, I can work all day and all night, as my wife will tell you. Um, so you know, if I if I have an edge, I think it's simply uh, a combination of experience and the fact that I—I uh, I think I out hustle a lot of people.
1: How did you get started with BurgerBusiness.com? Where did the idea come from?
2: Well, I, as you mentioned, I was uh, editor in chief at Restaurants and Institutions magazine, uh, and it was uh, owned by a British conglomerate, Reed Elsevier, which decided it really didn't see a future in rest in uh, magazines and decided to close or sell more than 100 magazines, and Restaurants and Institution was one of those. Uh, so right before it closed down, I jumped shit, Um decided I didn't want to be the last one there to turn out the lights, uh, and went solo. And um, when I was at R&I, we had talked often about doing a burger newsletter, uh, and it was my wife who said, well, why don't you do a blog? Why don't you do it online? And I hadn't really had that much experience with, with online work, certainly not from the technical side. So it gave me a chance to build a website and get some expertise and figure out how that works. Uh, and it gave me an opportunity to write about a topic that uh, I like personally and professionally. Uh, and it, it took off faster than I would have guessed. And uh, grew much, much bigger than I would have ever
1: guessed. I know I'm a burger fanatic, obviously, and so is Rev, but who who is your target audience? What who, do, who are you hoping reads the blog, and who are you seeing reads the blog?
2: When I'm writing it, I'm thinking of people who run small burger joints. They have one location, maybe two. Uh, maybe they're thinking about opening another one, but really small-scale operators. Um, these guys are, are often more creative than, than uh, certainly more than the chains. Uh, they're doing specials uh, maybe every week, maybe every month, some, some of them even every day. So they're looking for ideas, uh, but they also want to know about trends uh, in consumers, in finance, in operations. They work too hard to uh, spend too much time reading the newspaper. So... Um, they're really on the lookout for any kind of information that will help them do business and help them draw more customers. And really, that's, that's the audience I have in mind. What was the very first story you ever published? Well, that's a good question. I don't remember what it was. Uh, but I know that early on, maybe the second, maybe the third, was when uh, Jack in the Box um, started doing sirloin sliders. Little mini sirloin burgers. Um, and, you know, I was sort of an early trend spot and uh, talked about that. And I got a lot of feedback uh, and some pickup from uh, mainstream media, which at that point didn't really cover burgers much at all. Um, and it really opened my eyes to what kind of possibility there was for the blog. I mean, I, I guarantee if I ask Brad, what was the first.
0: Burger he ever viewed on his website. You have to think about it. I know I can't remember. So. No, it
1: was Genesis Bar on the Upper East Side. I don't have. I'm way way better at memory than you guys.
0: <laughs> Genesis was perfect. Yeah,
1: it was it was it was by design.
0: So of all the you know the restaurants, the QSRs, why why burgers? Why not like QSRs or different segments or just chains or independent operators? Why why
2: specifically burgers? Well, the thinking was that there's just me. There's a limit to how much I can cover, Uh, so I didn't want to throw out too wide a net. Um, But in covering burgers, really, you're talking about something that's on the menu at every kind of restaurant, except maybe seafood and some Italians. Uh, But uh, burgers are just ubiquitous, so you, you end up touching on QSRs fast casual, casual dining, and even fine dining. Um, so it, it seemed to be, you know, the, uh, the key to the whole business.
0: Is there a particular type of content um, that's most popular on the website? And I'm, I'm going to ask that from two directions, one being like gets the most hits and another like getting the most email signups.
2: Gets the most hits is probably uh, good, solid research. Uh, not necessarily that it comes from me, although trend spotting research gets a uh, really big pick up from operators uh, and some people in the media who um, pick up those ideas and run with them. Um, but uh, recipes, I have a recipe section that I put in as a sort of afterthought that has become a huge section, um, and that gets readership both from operators and from... Uh, consumers who love burgers and heaven knows there are there are many many of those.
1: Those are the most popular but I think it'd be helpful for our readers to know how do you think the, that small businesses who you say are your your target demo, how should those operators be reading these restaurant index reports? What can they learn from them?
2: They're trying to look ahead, they're trying to decide where consumers are going, what they're going to want next month, next year. Um, they're trying to get a hold on Demographics: What millennials are looking for? Is it more bar? Is it better music? Is it uh, quieter surroundings? Whatever, they're just looking for uh, information that helps them create an operation that that appeals to the most people. What would you say the difference is
0: between a fad and a trend uh, in the restaurant business, and where or when does it cross over from one to the other?
2: It's hard to say. You know, I, colored burger buns I thought was a fad, uh, you know, uh, bright red burger buns or green or whatever. Uh, and I thought that was going to be about a month's worth of uh, isn't that peculiar. Um, but it keeps going. So maybe that has crossed over from fad to trend, and I think the difference between them is usually time. Uh, if a fad continues long enough then really it is a trend but it's hard to tell what well, from
0: the from what you've been monitoring and in terms of like the burger business segment what would you say the last big trend or fad was that crossover to trend and then also what do you think the next big fad to trend crossover will be?
2: Let me start with the the next one because I think it's it's not in uh, burgers, necessarily, but in side dishes, and that's loaded fries. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of that, and it, it's picking up steam. Uh, uh, French fries with a lot of uh, toppings, just like uh, burgers went through the, the phases where they got more and more toppings. Uh, I think that, that's becoming a big trend, and it's a one reason for that is that it's very profitable. I think uh, you're,
0: you're touching on uh, Brad's favorite current
2: nerve
1: right there. No, I don't like loaded fries, actually. I think that um, um, I think they're a problem. But I, I hear I hear you. I, I get why restaurants yeah. can do it more.
2: You can definitely... Yeah, they, sorry. They're profitable, so <laughs> you'll see more. Mm-hmm. Uh, the past trend, I think, was uh, double meat burgers. And I thought that was a fad. I thought putting pulled pork on top of a beef burger... Uh, was an interesting flavor combination, perhaps, uh, but that wasn't going to uh, turn into anything. And then you saw burgers topped with pastrami and burgers topped with uh, smoked elk and heaven knows what else. Um, and I think that's now really a, a category that, that's going to last. I, I want to go. I, I want to go over there.
0: Smoked elk on a burger. Well, <laughs>
1: Scott, what's your your opinion of of these kinds of burgers and these kinds of fries? Do you personally like them?
2: Uh, Not a big fan of loaded fries. Um, Certainly not as a side. Uh, It's just just too much food for me. I'd rather, if I'm hungry, I'd rather put all my appetite into a a good big burger. Um, But it's been a long time since I was 18 and could eat that much food. Um, as for, as for burgers with uh, smoked elk, you know, I, I the more the merrier on these things, I say. It makes me laugh to see what people will put on a, a burger, uh, and obviously that people will order. I think it's great.
0: So in terms of the, uh, I, I would order that, but in terms of the additional proteins, obviously bacon is number one. Bacon will be number one forever. Bacon sure. will never not be number one. Um what what do you think is like number two or number three in terms of popularity for additional proteins? You know, right? Well, it's, it's
2: probably pulled pork right now uh, because that's just everywhere. But you're, you're right. Nothing is going to supersede bacon as being a necessary part of a good burger. It's funny because if you had asked me that question a month ago, I would have said
0: – I probably would have said chili. Um, and then I realized that we all forget that egg is a protein.
2: Uh, that's true.
0: Uh, but if you look at, uh, at social
1: media and what the Australians are doing, it's a uh, full breast of fried chicken.
0: <laughs> I think that's called a bang-bang, isn't it? Mm, no, that's just something. Ugh. Okay,
1: I, was, <laughs> I, I can't anymore with the bang-bang. Less bang. of excess. So, so um, you've got uh, one of the more interesting pages, I think, on burgerbusiness.com is the uh, top burger menus page. How does a restaurant get a spot on
2: that page? Uh, usually, I'll get an email from them saying, "Can you check out um, our menu and see what you think?" Um, it's a very subjective page. It's not as though there's voting involved. Um, if it looks like you you've got a burger page, a menu with a number of burgers, and they're they're fairly clever, and obviously there's some. Uh, uh, design and some thought that has gone into them. I'll put it on there because operators uh, look to those menus. When it comes time for to do a spring menu and you're thinking, I don't, I don't know, what should we do? What's out there? What can we do? Uh, a lot of operators go to that page to, to see what, not necessarily their local competition is doing, but their colleagues in the US or around the world.
0: So other than the, the new menu items page, Let's take this out a step. You have a robust site. There's tons of different uh, topics on here. You cover a lot. Daily email blasts. You're on social media. How can operators and publicists help you to create content that's relevant to your audience? Like, Is there best practices if I'm a publicist and I'm reaching out to you?
2: Uh, Best practices to talk to me before something happens. Uh, there's nothing worse than having somebody say, "Here's something interesting," and it, you know, it started as a promotion last Thursday. Uh, just not interested if it's already out there. Um, I, I want to be fresh with news and timely with news. So it, if somebody is approaching me and pitching me something, uh, it needs to be, a, a, you know, ahead of the game. Uh, exclusivity always helps, although. Uh, I don't demand that.
0: Does regionality play a factor at all in in the type of stuff you're writing about or that
2: you're covering? To the extent that I try and spread it out. I don't want to always talk about uh, Chicago or Midwest, even though I know that best. I want to make sure that there's a mix of East, North, Southwest. Uh, And I always try to bring in uh, some pieces from overseas because uh, it's incredible what's being done in uh, burger bars in Norway or South Africa or um, anywhere you can think of. Anywhere you can think of, there's a burger bar. You know, there's one in Ulaanbaatar, uh, Mongolia, that has great-looking burgers.
1: A, a lot of the stuff on Burger Business is is very shareable, especially uh, like the Burger of the Month posts. What kind of what kind of let's say outreach are you doing? Are you are you pushing things out a lot on social? Are you trying to get people to really share those burger of the month posts and um, and other just sort of one-off posts on the site? Uh,
2: when I do the uh, burger of the month I'm obviously posting it for a couple of days on, uh, on Twitter and Facebook uh, trying to let people who are on the list know that they're there uh, and urging them to talk to their customers and their audience uh, so that I can get uh, maximum impact. But again, it's, it's just me. So there's a limit to uh, to how much outreach I can do. I'm addicted to the burger of the
0: month post. What, what is the easiest way or what's the best way for a restaurant to get into your burger of the month post and email blast?
2: Uh, all you need to do is to let me know that you do one and either um, you know post that burger on your Facebook page or else send me a photo uh, or a description, uh, ideally with a photo. People love to see burgers, um, and if you do, if your restaurant does a burger of the month, uh, you know I'll I'll be at your door every month asking you, you know what's what's new. I'll be happy to put people on the list. That's
1: very cool. When I so obviously you have this relationship with restaurants. I mean that's sort of the point of the of the blog. Uh, but I remember when I started Burger Weekly, it was very important to me that I get on the Burger Business Burger Blog blog roll. Wow, that was a mouthful. Uh, so I'm just sort of wondering, what is your relationship like, and do you think it's important to have a relationship with other people who are passionate and writing about uh, this 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 uh, about burgers.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I, I have the blog roll there. When I, uh, I I redid the site about a year ago, um, and the blog roll disappeared briefly, um, and I heard from people who said that uh, it was gone, uh, and I realized how important it was for others, uh, and I think for readers, it's it's important too to be able to uh, say, oh, here, you know, here's. Uh, a blog that covers this aspect of of Burgerland. Uh, You know, I I like having it there and I I wouldn't remove it ever again. Well, Brad would be very sad if you did. Um,
0: (laughs) um, Let's segue to to marketing and branding a bit here. Which of the big chains do you think is doing it right and what can others learn from them?
2: Uh, You know, uh, of the big chains, from my point of view, Wendy's is doing it right. And they're doing it right because they're actually selling their product. Um, You can get too far away from the product, I think. Uh, You can be selling mood and attitude and atmosphere and a lot of psycho hijinks. Um, I think Wendy's just sells food, and they're very good at it. So
0: is it, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that the center of their branding and the center of their marketing is actually the menu items. It's not a silly clown or a guy in a helmet or people rocket launching off of buildings, That it's the actual food items.
2: Right. Well, you, you'll sometimes see a, a commercial and it'll be young people, uh, you know, mooning, making moony faces at each other across a table or a uh, child and it's all very warm and great and you think, what is this for? Uh, and it turns out it's for a burger with lettuce and tomato. Uh, <laughs> I, I really would rather just see a burger with lettuce and tomato and be told why it's really good. Is it, do you think that is what sets them apart from, I mean, look, they're in the
0: top five, right? Um, does, is that what sets them apart from all of those below them?
2: Uh, you know, I think they're outspent by Burger King and Wendy's, but I think they, they probably spend their money uh, at least in terms of uh, broadcast media more wisely. Uh, nobody can touch McDonald's uh, for the, the reach it has because nobody can touch the budget that it has. So it, it has money it can spend everywhere. Uh, you know, it it can target 29-year-old housewives with red hair if it wants to, uh, and it could put a million dollars toward that. Um, but, it you know, it has uh, Hispanic outreach an African-American outreach and young people and Asian. Uh, it has gospel fest. It has jazz fest. It has uh, just an amazing amount of uh, connection with consumers.
1: It's interesting. Uh, I didn't know all that. We, we talked a bit earlier about the um, proliferation of uh, double protein burgers and, and just sort of crazier and crazier uh, food creations that I think – definitely catch people's attention on social media. Do you think that uh, it is social media that's been pushing the, the, the demand for these food menus, things like Man Vs. Food and Epic Mealtime and Food Beast, um, or do you think that this is just what the consumers have been wanting?
2: I, I think uh, it accounts for a lot of it. I think uh, the you know taking pictures of your food and putting it on uh, social media uh, gets people talking. Um, but it's also the, the nature of burgers, that they're endlessly changeable, that uh, has made for the, the kind of amazing evolution that, that this product has gone through in the past 15 years, where it's gone from a really pretty humble, ignorable uh, commodity to something that uh, you know has blogs about it. What mistakes do you think the chains
0: make when they're releasing limited time offers?
2: Hmm. Well, it's, it depends on, on what they are. You know, we, Burger King has gotten into this rut where it just kind of shuffles the deck with the Whopper. Uh, it'll have a Whopper with cheese and bacon and the new, new Whopper has bacon and cheese. Uh, it's just kind of rearranging the same ingredients. It feels like, Um uh, they have occasional interesting uh, new items like chicken fries. I will give them credit for that. Um, But if you're going to do an LTO, there should be some news to it. Um, and Jack in the Box does that the best. They bring out products you haven't seen before. They do burgers and combinations that always have something different. You know, this buttery Jack burger that they did so well with last year, had the garlic butter melted on the on the, the burger. And you'd think, well, that's a small thing. Uh, but as far as taste, it made a big difference. Uh, so if you're going to have something new, have it be something new. So Burger King's Whopper hot dog
1: burger aside, what's the weirdest or worst LTO you've seen come down the pipe?
2: Oh, wow. Well, they, probably the... Uh, the black bun Halloween burger that Burger King brought out that turned out to have some rather odd indigestion problems. Uh, You know, it's interesting. I've eaten a black bun burger at a few
1: other places, and my visits to the little boys were just fine, and I don't know why Burger King had so much trouble with it.
2: It depends on what you're using as a uh, darkening agent for the bun. So yeah, You know, in Japan they use... uh, Ash or you know black tea or this that or the other and I don't know what Burger King used for the Halloween burger but it, it seems to have gone a little bit wrong. Mm-hmm. You know I got asked to do a Fox News segment about
0: the uh, the black burger the black bun burger Burger King mm-hmm. and the morning I went to the studio to record it Burger King pulled them from stores that morning. <laughs> 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 and they never said why they were just like that's close closer show goodbye and I'm standing in the Fox studios and they're like um well you're here I guess let's just talk about burgers that's <laughs> very strange <laughs> uh, what is the one LTO that you have reported on that you've never gotten to
2: try but always wanted to well there are just so many of them I don't know that I can pull one out I often feel like I want to try one and sometimes if it's jack in the box and you know, on the west coast I, I can't get out there or if it's a uh, regional and in southeast or Northeast, I can't get there. Um, So it it happens often that I think I'd really like to try that,
1: but just can't. Okay, so we've got a couple more burger questions. These ones are very burger specific, and I hope uh, they don't stump you. But this one, I think, will be pretty easy. What was your favorite burger from childhood?
2: Ah, uh, I grew up in Cleveland, and uh, the Big Boy chain was uh, very big in Ohio. Uh, it's different than the Big Boy chain out in California, but it, it had a, a number of different franchisees running it. Frisch's Big Boy still runs in Cincinnati. In Cleveland, it was, a, it was called Manners Big Boy, uh, and it, it was the first double-decker. It was the Big Mac before the Big Mac uh, existed. We're talking late 50s, early 60s here. Uh, so a trip to, to Manners was always a treat. I loved doing that as a child. Um, when I became a teenager, I loved McDonald's. And that was when McDonald's had no indoor seating. You ate in the car in the parking lot. Uh, but I loved
0: McDonald's. Brad and I are both from Detroit, so we're not far from where you grew up. Oh, okay. Brad- Brad, did you grow up going to going to Big Boys? Yeah, we've talked about this on a past episode of the show. It's funny because I did too, but I didn't go there for hamburgers. That was just not a thing for me.
1: I have no. I actually, I honestly can't remember what I ate at Big Boys, but it was post football games. Do you not remember talking about this? Yes, I know,
0: but I love the conversation. And now we're with Scott, who's also a fanatic. <laughs> for me, it was Sunday mornings after church. We would go and get a huge breakfast. Good times.
2: Yeah, so, Big Boy had a big menu. What was the last burger you ate? The last burger I ate was actually at McDonald's uh, and it was after it was Sunday uh, coming back home after the National Restaurant Association show. I'd been walking the floor for uh, seven hours uh, and I was tired and I was hungry and I stopped at McDonald's and had a daily double.
0: What is a daily double? Oh, is that the dollar double cheese menu or whatever?
2: It's, uh, I think it's $2, uh, but it's a really fine burger. Uh, It's it's two patties. It's lettuce, tomato, uh, and mayonnaise. And I've never been a mayonnaise eater on burgers, and I don't put mayo on burgers, except I like it on that burger.
1: Mayo was the cause of my childhood obesity and I still can't get enough of it. We're going to wrap this up with the question we ask everybody and it might be the most valuable question that we ask. What is the one piece of advice you would give to someone in the food and marketing business, food marketing business? You know, I think it goes
2: back to what we were talking about uh, with advertising and that's sell your product. I think there's just too little product sale in marketing. Um, There's too much it's just overthought. It tries too hard to uh, uh, be part of your family or to reflect your lifestyle or your feelings about the cosmos and really what it needs to do is tell you what the product is and why you should buy it.
0: That's great. That's sound advice. I think the more we get down this road, the more people get uh, reliant on tricks and jokes and funny gags and at and the end of the day, we all got into this because we like the burger, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Scott, well, it was really great having you on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Where can people find out more about you and more about Burger Business?
2: The site is uh, burgerbusiness.com. I'm on Facebook at Burger Business and on Twitter at at Burger Business. Excellent. Thanks Thanks so much for being a part of the show today. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Like, Bite, and Share. We hope you found today's interview insightful. If you didn't get a chance to write down everything, no worries. We take the show notes for you. Go to schweidandsons.com slash podcast to find them. If you enjoy the show, we ask for one favor, and that's please give us a rating in iTunes. That helps us to spread the word to others who might find this valuable like you do. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a future episode featuring helpful tips from other professionals in the food
1: marketing business. Stay hungry.